Super AIDS, super yeah. AIDS, penis disease. I'm I'm loving I'm loving this. This is verbal this is, diarrhea. This is how you manage to play Wembley Stadium with four people left. Is just say stupid things on. This is how we're gonna take over the podcast waves. Oh, oh, this is it, huh? This is this is <laughs> this gonna is, be. This is it. This is it. gonna take Fantastic. us over. I'm really glad. Um, did you speak to the marketers at Penis Cream, and this is what we came up with? Yeah. Good. Okay. Seattle. So, there we go. That's a that's a a relatively major city in the United States. And uh, so, do you want to do you want to talk about how we how this podcast came to be? Um. So I decided to move to Seattle. I committed grand heresy in the eyes of the. Uh, Barrier native of which I am one um, and moved to a completely different state that's not called San Francisco Oakland and um, so yeah nobody calls that (laughs) nobody calls it Frisco either not a one (laughs) anyone who calls it Frisco is like immediately like thrown into a gulag Um, (laughs) so yeah we came out uh, we we took him out on a um, on a u-haul and we 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 decided we were going to do some podcastery that night right so this was we actually just like we we moved me in um just boxes and whatever whatever into my apartment and um and then we went out kind of on the town and on the town was two blocks away from my apartment which because i live in capitol hill which is a very happening place in seattle so rather than get too meta about this because we're literally discussing what we're what we were discussing four and a half years ago which yeah feels a little weird and that's the part that's it's strange yeah. it's it's out of place out of time but you know whatever it is what it is have at it folks right here so we- so the idea here is that again this is like us four and a half years ago i just moved to seattle we just gone out and, and we, the bullshit that we thought back then exactly so enjoy people who are able to manufacture those sorts of feelings of being in love I both pity and Do you them. think that your capacity to fall in love diminishes with age? No. No, 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 no. Not even. I don't okay. believe it for a second. I, I, I hate to be this. I am a, I'm a very optimistic person. I think I'm a pretty, I think I'm a pretty optimistic person, and I think I'm a, a very generally a passionate person, but I notice that I am just not, I just don't get that butterfly feeling like I did when I was a, when I was a teenager or mm. in my early 20s and I would just get so fucking broken hearted or the, so excited but about what a you're woman. talking about is not being in love what you're talking about is basically like the manic swells and ebbs of like of like being being around you know but isn't dating. that I I almost think that now I sound super jaded but I almost think that that is what love is love is like a a biochemical thing that happens you, you know, know that you, okay, saw, you okay. saw what the this bleep, is you saw what the bleep do we know right no i haven't okay. but but because they talk all about this about how feelings are, yeah. are can be can be reduced to polypeptide chains in certain sequences 
that go, fall into receptors I, and give you a, a exact feeling and that, that, that people elicit those peptide chains and it's like so love could actually be reduced down to, to like a chemical uh, you know makeup oh see this is I wasn't gonna I wasn't even gonna get into this analogy but I'm gonna get into it go so, there okay. you go girl so mm. actually what's really funny is that one of my favorite people in the world was um, a girl who I, I dated. And, I mean, I wasn't in love with her, but I certainly loved her. Like, we were, we were, we, but she is just a wonderful human being. One of my, one of my favorite human beings in the world, still to this day. And you know what? I went and visited her and stayed with her, even though she had a boyfriend. And, like, it was fine. Because the thing was is that her boyfriend adores her, and I was happy for her. And I mean, I don't mean that in a spiteful way. It was like, it was like, actually, I was just like, you know what? You need to do this. You and I have our stuff and we're going to have our stuff no matter what, because I didn't really feel like our relationship wasn't really romantic. I mean, we were dating and sleeping together and whatnot, but it was definitely not about the romance so much as it was about like, just like, I just adore this being around this person. And like, it was just really, it was a really interesting thing. Anyway, so she, when I met her, I was in one of those stages where I was just, just spinning my wheels, just nuts, had this crazy day, and I had just gotten out of a really thick fog of depression, was totally just like all over the place. But the thing was is that for me, when I'm good and when I'm attractive, I am frenetic and I'm extremely, extremely like, like, like just, I'm, I'm just in it. And so she said, so, so I was talking with her and, you know, I looked over and she's like, she's really, really good looking. So it was like, so it was, it was, it was just, I was like, okay, I, there's an empty seat at this, oh, it was, a, it was at a birthday party at a bar. And so there's an, we had a table outside there was one empty. There was two empty seats, between, and there were actually two attractive women that I saw. She was one of them. I got sat sat next to her, and I was just like, "Well, this is a great seat." Anyway, so the person next to her was also was trying to hit on her. I wasn't even trying to hit on her, and he said something about being an atheist, and I said basically like, "I'm like, you know, that to me is just silly." I am an I am an absolutely horrific know-it-all, but I think being an atheist is insane. I think being religious, like devoutly religious, is kind of like equally insane because I think they're on two separate spectrums, and I think that it's strange that more people aren't exploring a middle ground. And then she looks at me, and she says, "Why?" She says, "Why? Why? Why is that the case?" She's like. She's like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you, but why is that, in the, why is that the case? And I said, well, the analogy I wanted to make, or the analogy that I'll make is cooking rice. So, if you're going to be somebody who is trying to explore and make a complete explanation of everything that has ever happened to you, everything that has ever happened to everybody else, every connection, every whatever. It's like what you are basically doing is when you are making rice, you know, in this theoretical scenario, you are thinking about the heat, 
the pressure, the fat and starch content of every single kernel as the heat rises, as the kernels take in moisture, and you are responsible for an insane amount of kernels in order to make your point. You're basically saying that I am, I believe that I can understand what is happening to every single one of those kernels at any single point in time. Because you're saying there's nothing beyond me that I can't completely fathom. On the flip side, if you are super religious, what you're saying is I do this, I follow instructions, magic, and I have cooked rice. And so there is this kind of strange element to me when it comes to attraction or life in general where there has to be this element of kind of both understanding and magic. Like you know what you're supposed to do, you know who you are, you know what you want, but trying to actually break it down to like, you know, neopeptides and dopamine and serotonin, to me, it's fucking dry and it sucks. It's like, because honestly, like what I still do get those butterflies and I still want to get those butterflies and I never want to be out of that. I never want to, I never, I'm so, I, I like to be intellectual, but I also like to be emotionally driven. I, I didn't say it was a romantic view of things. No, and no, it it's doesn't, not. And it it's doesn't diminish. No, 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 no. It but, do, but I, I mean, I'm again, saying, but no, on with this, on, on with the, you know, uh, you know, whatever Darwinistic uh, view versus the religious view. Uh huh. Um, holy shit! I just lost my train of thought for a second there. Um, oh, it's sirens. That's not good for a podcast. Um, <laughs> no, they're not registering. I don't think. Um, no, I just think that, like, okay, you know, you have religious people who they're like, oh, you know, how could you just think that? You think that the the stars in the sky, I mean, that's amazing. You think that all these trees just sprout up, you know, because because they just do. You think that man just just came from monkeys. That's how could you possibly think that? It's so brilliant. It's got to be intelligent design. Mm. You need. <clears throat> it's it's like you're looking for more. It's already there's already so much. It is it is okay. totally it is totally fantastic. If you don't think that the miracle of science. <laughs> Or the, or the miracle of biochemistry isn't completely amazing, oh. then you're not fucking paying attention. Okay. I'm not no. trying to diminish the magic no, of, no, 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 no. Of, of, of love or of, or of nature. Uh-huh. But I, I, it's beautiful and it's all, the, all those <laughs> things, you know? It's just, that's, I, that's just what I believe it is. You know? Well, okay. No, no, that's great. It's great. Um... You know, what's funny is that, like, I was actually, I actually, we went, we went, we went on on this a little bit further, and I said that basically, she said, well, what are your religious beliefs? Now, normally when I'm talking with people and people will say that, I say I'm agnostic. I'm definitely agnostic. I'm not down with a particular sect of religion. But I'm actually, I believe, and I have for some time, I am actually an absurdist by religion. Mm-hmm. Where, here's the thing, I think that we can learn a lot. I believe in science. I believe in learning. But there is such a massive difference between scientific fact and cognizant sense. Okay. 
And the fact <clears throat> of the matter is that it is impossible, in my belief, for us to unify those things. For us to unify what we know and what we feel. And so if there is an order to things, it's never going to make sense to us. And so the whole point was, it's absurd. Like, how things work is absurd. Trying to, like, look at every piece of rice is absurd. Believing in magic of those rice is, is, is absurd. And so if you actually, like, th take kind of a meta view of all that we're trying to do in order to fathom our own existence... It's ridiculous. And that's what I think is awesome about it, is that I like the fact that we don't, we don't get it. I like the fact that we can't get it. I like the fact that that's the point of our, of our, of our, I think the point is that when, here's my, here's I think my biggest gripe with humanity, and I'm not kidding. My biggest gripe with humanity is the fact that searching for answers is great. Everyone should search for answers. Gripping at straws because you are so uncomfortable without an answer is the worst thing possible. And so I think that we are unwilling to embrace confusion. And I think that existence in itself, human existence, is absolutely predicated on confusion. And that's why I am a religious absurdist. And next up, listeners, <laughs> fart jokes. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, we got a little deep there. All right, so... Um, no, I think that was great. I, 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 I thought that was good. Okay, well, um, all right, so... I enjoyed that. Well, fantastic. Well, uh, we will be back. Wow, I don't know who those idiots were. Seriously, um... I, is it weird that I want a time machine to be invented strictly so I can like dick punch like myself of a while ago? <laughs> is that weird? Is that like I don't want to change anything good? Like I'm not going back and like destroying like despots or like changing like you know like I'm not like you know changing Andrew Johnson's horrific presidency. I'm just going back and saying like, hey, dick bag, like you know you deserve a good cock punch. And apparently like myself now can only use genitalia metaphors well <laughs> i have remarkably little to really comment about kind of what i had to say it's kind of interesting to just sort of hear what was happening at the time and go oh yeah that's where i was at then because it's remarkably a different place now but i've kind of gotten a kick out of watching you just <laughs> fucking grim just just gristle at your the way you talk and you just fucking self-loathing happening over here. It's like, I feel like you just look at yourself and you're like, yeah, that makes sense to me. And for me, it's like, I just want to tear down every piece of me that existed. You know, what is it? Like every seven years, like every, every cell, every has single replaced cell itself, has replaced yeah. itself. Well, this is four and a half years ago. And whatever half of me right now wants to like viciously beat up the other half mishap is not that bad <sighs> everything it's is really that bad that tomax bad. once you understand that everything is awful you will understand art <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Washington State is basically a third world country outside Seattle's borders. Traders, trappers, and trapper keepers carry on Lewis and Clark's tradition of horsemanship and homoeroticism. I'll take another growler of moonshine when I get a chance. I'll take a pint of the worst scotch you got. Thank you, son. No tip, you were a little slow. Say, that's a man-sized drink you just ordered there. I appreciate you saying. Ugh. Stranger. Haven't seen you around these parts. Mm. Neither have I. I like that answer. I like the cut of your jib. Say, just a quick question for you, sir. Mm. You ever poured a poured your last quart of motor oil on the back of a wild wolf just because it was the right thing to do? Mm. Sometimes you gotta tell those wolves who's boss. They won't tell themselves. Mm. Mm. You ever realize you can't truly love a woman because you love the road too much? The road's got curves the way a woman never could. I mean, love to the road. As have I. You ever tried to, you ever tried to murder a concept? Sometimes concepts just ain't right. They ain't ever gonna be right neither. You ever go boar hunting with uh, nothing but your primal scream? Sometimes that's all you got. It's the last thing left. Mm. Mm. You ever been common law married to a deer? Sometimes love takes strange forms. Strange forms indeed, sir. Strange forms indeed. Mm. Mm. You ever run out of rations so you eat buckshot instead? Tastes better than you think it would. Yes, it does. Ain't bad. Mm. Mm. You ever cooked food on your own rage? Sometimes I run out of fuel down at the bunker. It's just the sensible thing to do. Mmm. 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 You ever, you ever have a pack of coyotes try to take the night away from you? Everyone's trying to wrestle the night from my grasp. They are. Indeed. I, I wish to own the night. I understand it's impossible. You cannot. I understand that. You ever had a blood feud with an outdoor toilet? Know your enemies. I knew that toilet well. That's what Lao Tzu said. Mm. 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 You ever punch a horse in the face? Sometimes it's all I can do to get my horse to sleep. He wakes up angry. Real angry. But he wouldn't sleep otherwise. Mm. Mm. You ever called an eagle a whore? I did that once. How'd it feel? It felt good inside of my heart. Understood. Have you ever shit out a live boa constrictor? 
I've looked at my shit little. When it's moving, I move on. It's just a good idea. It's just healthy. Agreed. Alright, you got two minutes to drink them up, folks. Well, well, partner. I was in the line for me tonight. It was a pleasure meeting your acquaintance. I had to wake my horse back up and ride on back to my lean-to. Alright then. Alright then. Mm. Mm. Music historians will be interested to know that Seattle is actually the birthplace of grunge music. Grunge music began when David Wenzelstilskin of Mudhoney had a guest over at his one-bedroom apartment. She went into his bathroom and said, My golly, this bathroom looks really grungy. David said to his guest, That gives me a great idea. I think I'm going to start a new kind of music where we grow our hair out really long, play our instruments really poorly, act like we don't care about anything, and then maybe we'll get rich. Well, at least that's how the story goes. And the rest is history. I'm Kai Risthorn. And I'm Phil Lemonspace. And you're listening to Uncommon, Uncommon Sounds. Sounds. This week on Uncommon Sounds, trying to decide what kind of album to review, I kept coming back to the early work of the band Blood Flood. Well, Blood Flood has graced us with a new album titled Little Tricycle of Pure Hate. And I think that you'll agree, no one's heard anything like this. You know... It was interesting because I personally wanted to do Sparkle Corn's Let's Love Everybody. But I feel that Blood Flood really shows destruction as creation. And the shape of the album is a merchant ship between on the, on the Atlantic coming to the New World in the mid-1500s, hitting troubling high seas where all of the dreams and treasures and animals are all being thrown from side to side and collapsing upon each other. And um, I, I saw that in this album, and, and I really think that it was, uh, it was a special, special album. And nowhere is this demonstrated better than in their song titled, Why Do You Live In My Shoes? <laughs> Through the distortion, singer Cooter Fudgeson is actually scatting, bridging the world of jazz bebop scat and noise rock. A standout track for me was Meth Dumpster, a brutal mix 
of beauty and pain. The climax of this song really seems to be the album's mission statement. In a faster-paced, more staccato track, Where is God?, the listener is transported into a world of discordance, fantasy, and theological quandaries. Kudafudgeon chants in the chorus, curses, curses, bruises, snoozes, leaving the listener covered in juxtaposition. Snoozes! Where is God? Put up the do not disturb sign. Wow, watch out for that one. Don't play that one after having your caffeinated tea in the morning. You might, you might end up driving five miles an hour over the speed limit. And how. All right. Um, the next one I wanted to take a look at was uh, Knowing of the Nose, um, which is a painful ballad about childhood trauma. The sentiment here really is accessible, more so than many of their other ones, because we all have secrets. For those of you who think that the band is making a facile attempt at discussing childhood games, you should know that the song is titled I've Got Your Nose, spelled K-N-O-W-S. Yeah, don't sleep on these guys. They are literate, folks. In the final track of this album, the song Car Alarm explores the soundscape of urban living through a sonic hailstorm of guitar, bass, drums, vocals, and glockenspiel.
song is 18 minutes long, and we could have played the whole thing if we had the time for it. But I'm afraid that our time is over. And um, so we do recommend that you go check out Blood Flood, a really, really deep, interesting, thoughtful band. This episode has been brought to you by the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. And for Kai Rizthorn, this is Phil Lemonspace saying, Your ear canals aren't dumpsters. Don't fill them with garbage. All right, so that's our Seattle episode. Uh, yeah, nice. Classy. Um, good times. Was that Red Hook that you were drinking? Because uh-huh. <laughs> it comes from Seattle. Oh, my God. Topical. Topical oh, we finish each other's sentences. sentences. <laughs> okay, that's oh, been God. Tomax and Mishap. We do have fun. We do. Um, so if you want to write to us, write to Tomax and Mishap hate you at gmail.com. All one word and one totally true sentiment. And um, write us a letter. We'll read it on the air unless you tell us not to. Yeah. But even if you tell us not to, it'll probably give us more reason to. Because, again, just read our um, email address. Just do it. We'll find the IP address. Find your address. <laughs> we've, both watched, we've both been watching Mr. Robot, and we're going to hack the living shit out of you. It's going to be terrible. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Anyway, everyone have a wonderful day. I still do live in Seattle, and I actually love Seattle. So. It's great. Um, yeah. It's awesome. Love I know. It. Go, f- yeah. go fuck your face, Seattle. <laughs> you go. It's like dynamic tension. <laughs> that whole idea like Charles Atlas had that if you pull in opposite directions and you get huge. Uh-huh. That's why both of us have like just strangely large butts. <laughs> because we're both sitting on each other. Simultaneously. Mishap. Come on. This is an outro. What are you doing? Make us look bad, man. Come on. Can you just make us look cool? At the end? <laughs> um. <laughs> so, that's pretty. What would the fun say? Oh, okay. Hold on. I just spilled pomade on my leather jacket. There it is. Okay. <laughs> been listening to Tomex and Mishap. All right. Good night, folks. Seattle is the loneliest place on earth. As a matter of fact, 97% of residents have done exactly what Meatloaf told them not to do for love. Seattle is a, has a very unique culture. When greeting another, when two men greet each other in Seattle, it's very customary to walk up and say, Hello, sir. How are you doing? And then tickle their elbows. Did you know that Washington State's chief exports are apples, wigs, computer equipment, and slinkies? Making Washington State fun for a girl and a boy. The flannel shirt was invented in Seattle, Washington by Jacques Flannel. Flannel went on to create other fashion items such as the cummerbund, the wig, and 
head pants.